Welcome to another flesh-rending episode of the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore. <laughs> and we are playing Chaosium's 7th edition Call of Cthulhu horror role-playing game based upon the fictional works of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are Matt as Dan Williams. As once was sung in the credits of Starship Troopers 3, it's a good day to die. Brian as Jack Whiteside. Wait, I thought this was the entrance, not the exit. Gabe as Roy Arroyo and Aaron Martinez. Oh, thank God it's almost over. I don't I don't know. I've been having a good time. Guys, uh, we do have a question of the week. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego, Brian? Uh, she is in Guatemala. That's wrong. I'm sorry. It's San Fernando Valley was the answer. How about you, uh, Gabe? Oh, my bed over there? Nope. It was Santa Fe. Matt. Funny story, actually. She's off in the hospital, seeing as her and Walda just had a lovely pair of invisible twins. You are definitely close, because the invisible twins would have been called Pecan Sandies. Oh. oh. That makes sense. Before we begin, we do need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Has this ever happened to you? Oh my god, the sunlight is so bright and harsh today, I wish there was some kind of contraption to shield my eyes from these burning rays. I'm gonna get cancer, melanoma, my eyes are just gonna burn. Don't worry, now there is. Introducing conformity sunglasses. Whether you're wandering town to town looking for some construction work or merely brawling in the alleys of ruined cityscapes, conformity sunglasses has you covered. Admire the sleek plastic look and the impenetrable black lenses do not question feel how they seem tailor-made to hug your cranium consume you'll look great whether you're out shopping for groceries conform or taking that cute secretary out to lunch marry and reproduce how much would you expect to pay for these do not think 50 100 500 Submit. No, sir. These sunglasses cost a mere... I sleep, die. And not a penny more. And they come with a free trial. Watch TV. Just slip them on. Go ahead. Try them. Do it. God damn it. Put them on now. Before it's too late. Oh, oh, oh God. Shit, they're coming. They know we're here. Shh. Keep, keep down. Shh. Maybe if we're really quiet, they'll just... Obey. And we're back. Car wax? I think it's not for your car. <laughs> it's turtle wax made from turtles. Oh. Am I not turtly enough for your turtle wax? Well, tonight, guys, we finish chapter five. Hell House. Previously on the Lovecraft tapes, as they go to sleep on Monday night, the investigators are each visited by a memory of sharing a tender moment with a loved one. This is but a brief respite from the doom that creeps over the land of Leland, Texas, the next morning. Thanks to some really bad dice rolling, several hours spent at the local library uncovers no further clues. Back out on the street, however, they discover Don Ellers is reported missing, and Mitch Landrum has been shot dead by Deputy Steve Ellis. With time ticking down, the three make their way back to the Angerstein house in a last-ditch attempt to uncover the mystery of Hell House. Dan encounters ghostly writing on the blackboard in the parlor, Jack spots some shadowy shapes lurking at the fringes of the forest, and Aaron encounters a hanged body in the kitchen. 
Miles away in a Dallas hospital, Roy succumbs to the nightmare realm locked inside his comatose body. Jack, you gape in terror at the serpentine shadows slithering on the outskirts of the forest just yards away from the front porch. Thunder rumbles in the distance. Hesitantly, you take a step backward. A board creaks under your foot. Suddenly, as one, the shadows straighten upright to a man's height as if listening. Then they rush toward the house, undulating through the grass as if it were waves on a green sea. Cold fear grips your heart. You turn to the front door, but it is gone. Just a blank wall now with the exit sign hanging like a mockery. From behind, you can feel the tsunami of a shadow rising up and up and up. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. I need a 79. I got a 22. Go ahead and reduce your sanity by two points, please. That takes you down to 77. And so what happens, Jack, is as you can feel the shadow rising up above, you can see it climbing up the wall to the exit sign. And as soon as it hits the exit sign, the sign falls off the wall and clatters at your feet. And you feel a wave of nausea and you fall unconscious and crumple to the front porch. Dan. You watch in amazement as the word fire on the blackboard is then surrounded by chalk-rendered flames. The sound of scritching engulfs the old parlor, now the school shooting room, and you realize the illustrations are moving, dancing across the slate. You step backwards and bump into a wall, a wall where a moment before was the door out. As your mind reels, pieces of chalk fly through the air as if wielded by invisible tendrils, drawing more flame and fire across the walls, on the floor, on the ceiling. I need you to make a sanity roll, please. Woo! I needed a 64. I rolled a 44. That is a success. So I need you to reduce your sanity by two points, please. Oh. As the chalk flies toward you and begins to draw on your clothes and on your skin. It's almost as if you can feel the flames licking against your skin and you crumple to the ground in a wave of nausea as unconsciousness engulfs you. If it was nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, and diarrhea, I just suggest taking some Pepto-Bismol, but... Aaron, you stare in horror at the body only a few feet away hanged by the neck with an electrical cable suspended from the kitchen's light fixture. The makeshift noose has been tightened around Don Eller's neck, compressing it purple-black, speckled with blood blisters and broken veins. Her swollen tongue lolls from her open mouth, thick strings of bloody saliva dripping from red-stained teeth. Dead eyes stare blankly into yours. The cable creaks as the corpse swings ever so gently back and forth. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll, please. Yay. I needed a 59, and I rolled a 90, and that's a pretty bad fail. All right, I'm going to need you to roll a d10. I got a 6. Please reduce your sanity by 6 points. All right. As you stare into the dead blank eyes of Dawn Ellers, her mouth slowly twists into a smile, and you hear a voice erupt impossibly from the mouth and it says this is how the world ends i have been asleep for far too long and it is time to wake my brethren your sacrifice will feed us my friend you will join your fellow townsfolk soon in the trough for now 
sleep and dream. And an image blasts to the forefront of your mind. I'm going to need you to increase your Cthulhu Mythos by five. Nice. And I need you to roll Cthulhu Mythos. Oh, I wonder how it's going to go. Oh, I needed a five and I got a 49. So that's a fail. So as you slump to the floor in unconsciousness, you see a brief glimpse an image of the Angerstein house engulfed in flames, and then you pass out. Consciousness returns slowly. It feels as though you've slept for days, but something isn't quite right. You're not in bed, snuggled beneath the covers. Instead, you are standing upright, shivering in the darkness. You blink away fatigue, squinting into the dimness, Gradually, you realize you are in the Angerstein attic. Across from you, a few feet away, are the other two investigators also regaining consciousness. They have nooses crudely fashioned from knotted extension cords around their necks, and so do you. The three of you are standing on rickety-looking kitchen chairs. Your hands are tied behind your back. Vaguely, you recall doing this to each other, yourselves a shadowy figure urging you on with demonic insistence. Even now, as the reality of your situation becomes crystal clear, there is something sinister seated at the back of your brain, suggesting quite logically that things will be much better if you only take a step forward off the chair. From below, on the ground floor, you can hear loud atmospheric music pumping through the sound system and the excited babble of patrons as they encounter manufactured scares going room to room. Evidently, Hell House is open for business. What do you do? Start dancing. Damn it, Bill Cosby, we've had this discussion before. I try to get to my lock blade to cut the noose off of my neck. You might want to cut your hands free first. Oh, right, 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 right. Luckily, I keep my lock blade in my hands. (laughs) (laughs) He keeps his lock blade tucked up in his cheek. Boy, and I didn't state where I actually keep that. It's in his rectum. Damn near killed him. So I'm going to feel my back pockets to see if I can feel my lock blade in there. Sounds like a luck roll to me. Drum roll, please. I needed a 33. I rolled a 28. Boom. That is a success. You do indeed feel your lock blade in your back pocket. I'm going to pull it out, open it in my hands, turning it upward and trying to cut the slowly cut the binds that are, that are holding my hands together. What kind of roll does that sound like? I'd say dexterity. I needed a 60. I rolled a 46. Uh, you managed to slice through and free your hands. Okay, I can't do this anymore, guys. I hacked roll 20 so I could get all successes. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so my hands are free. Your hands are definitely free. I'm going to reach up and cut the noose and free myself and immediately run over to Dan and to start to free his hands. And I'll kill myself with the noose. And then I'm going to kick out the chair out from under. <laughs> no. <laughs> Noose? I thought you said moose. Dan, why don't you give me a spot hidden, please? I needed a 58 and I rolled a 7. That is an extreme success. As Jack is essentially untying the cord from your hands, you do notice that the timbers above, where the nooses are tied from, do look rather weak. And you realize with your extreme success that probably the weight of a couple people would have collapsed it. But maybe not the weight of one person. All right, Danny, let's get out of here. Okay. (laughs) 
Anyone else remember where they were before we were? Well, let's get Martinez free first. I'm, I'm just saying it was really strange. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but we got to get this figured out. We got to get out of here. This is the attic. This is where all the shit went down before. You get Martinez. I'm going to go towards the hatch. Mind if I borrow that blade of yours so I can cut him free? I throw it at him. <laughs> oh, my eye! <laughs> I hand it to him. Thank and I'm you. gonna pull out. I'm gonna pull out my nine millimeter Glock 17. Dan uh, helps Martinez get untied and unencumbered from the noose, and helps him down from the chair. Meanwhile, Jack moves across the dimness towards the hatch, which is open actually, because you can hear the uh, sounds from below. And as you move toward the open hatch to the uh, second floor, you realize that the storm that had been approaching in the distance is now going full force outside. You can hear thunder and lightning and rain all sort of contributing to the overall noise effect. Oh god, not again. You notice there is a mass of shadowy substance swirling around the outer fringes of the attic and they appear to be becoming more and more agitated. We all see this or just me? Just you at this point. I'm still wiggling Martinez out of his noose. Whoa. All right, I'm going to pull out my pocket watch and I'm going to pop it open and I'm going to activate the protection that's on the inside of my pocket watch. So that's where you keep your condoms, huh? Yep. You see the shadows recede slightly. You can almost see scales inside the shadowy shape. So it's like making them solid. Yeah, it's almost like it's becoming the the force of the protection wrought by your pocket watch affords you the opportunity to see beyond the shadows. Ah, okay. And you can see what this thing is really made of. Sugar and spice? And everything nice. And then came Chemical X. And Martinez is helped down from the chair. Jack has stopped about 20 feet from the attic trap door. He appears to be looking at something in his hand. And you too see there is this shadowy, billowing clouds on the perimeter of that area. And you can also see that there are, are these brief, shimmering flickers of what appears to be actual serpentine skin with scales. And from your vantage point, further down towards the south of the attic there, you can see that it appears that this revealed scaly skin is all part of one limb of a larger creature. Hmm. And it's beginning to take shape. Uh, anyone else seeing the crawling in the walls, or is that just me? Get your asses over here. We gotta get out of here. And as soon as Jack says that, you begin to hear gunshots from below and people screaming all right i'm gonna run towards the trap door assuming they're following me as fast as i can i am right on his backside and so am i but like literally on it that's what i'm talking about you give me a smack as i climb down the ladder jack is the first one down into the store bedroom and you can hear even more screaming a little bit better down here and the other two are obviously following you down the ladder all right guys we gotta get we gotta get this taken care of let's get this under control what are we getting under control here, though? How am I supposed to know that? You hear the screaming and the shots? Let's go take care of this. You all have training. I don't. Those might be blanks. Well, let's find out, shall we? I'm with you guys. We could stay up here and play Pachisi if you want. No, that's better. Let's do that. I'm, I'm more of a backgammon kind of guy myself. I'm a front gammon kind of guy. 
All right, I'm going to take the lead. I'm coming out of the bedroom door, and I'm going to check every single nook and cranny as I go, but I'm moving quickly. I'm going to go down to the end of the hallway. I'm going to take a left, and I'm going to be moving myself towards the, the stairs going down. So you're heading to the first floor. Yep. I'm going to pull out and get Sally ready for action here. And I'll do the meme where you get the knife like this, where you hold it sideways and have the gun over it so I can have double protection. It's like when you wear two condoms. Double bagging it. So Jack is taking the lead and maneuvers around to the first corner, looking southward down the hallway, doesn't see anything. The doors are both closed. Promptly scuttles down the hallway to the uh, top of the staircase, and obviously you can hear more people screaming. And it sounds like it's kind of a massacre down there. Well, duh, it's a school shooting room. We're going to approach it cautiously. We are actually going to be at the bottom of the stairs. There's a door going into the parlor. We're going to slowly peek through that door and see if it's an actual reenactment or if something's going down. The parlor door is indeed open and there are people running out onto the front porch and the front door is wide open now and you can see that there is the storm is in full force out there you also see lights from either an ambulance or a patrol car you continue to hear like moans and groans that's the kinds of things that you would hear in a haunted house but also the occasional gunshot and why don't each of you give me a spot hidden please I needed a 70, I got a 41. I needed a 58, I rolled a 9, that's an extreme success. And I needed a 60, and I got a 7, and that's another extreme success. Aaron easily spots some of the people running out through the front door, and he also notices that there are some people who are clearly panicked and running towards the north end of the house, towards where he knows the dining room and kitchen are. And the people that he spots uh, heading out to the front porch are bloodied, and they have been shot. Oh. So this is a real situation. Shit. Guys, this isn't an act. They've been shot, they're bleeding, they're running. Someone's actually shooting people here. Yeah, that's what I said. There's a door just up this hallway that goes into the dining room. Yeah. You slowly peek through that. Martinez, you're with me. We're going to try to flank this person and see what we can do to get this taken care of as quickly as possible. Can I pinpoint where the gunshots are coming from just by listening to them? Can I tell if they're still in the parlor or if they're in another part of the house at this point? Why don't you give me a listen roll? What? What? Damn it. I needed a 61 and I rolled a 94. That was almost a fumble. Almost. He shoots his own ear out trying to scratch his ear. From what you can hear, the sounds are rebounding and or or covered up by the screaming and the pounding uh, storm outside. It almost sounds like it might be back upstairs. Okay, guys, just be aware. We don't know if the guy is still in the parlor at this point. So eyes and ears open. I'm not listening. Just watch yourselves. Let's do this. Okay. I'm going to slowly go through the parlor door. I'm going to split off and head to the door to the north and slowly open and peek through that and see if I can't see anything. And I'll follow Jack backwards so I can cover who's behind us at all times. Nice. Dan, as you move towards the dining room door, you need to pass by the parlor door. And I'm going to need you to roll a dodge, please. Oh, fuck. No, a dodge. I needed a 30, and I rolled an 83. As Jack and Aaron take their positions, Dan rushes as quickly as he can to the north, and he is clipped by a bullet. So you take five points of damage. Holy crap. I have two hit points left, people. You are clipped in the left side of your gut. How's it feel, Matt? And Dan is thrown against the farthest wall, and he slumps in that northeast corner, bleeding profusely from the stomach. 
Martinez, grab him. Get him out of get him out of the line of fire. Alright, I'll grab him and drag him out of the doorway. I'm gonna need you to make a dodge roll, please. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, for making me do it. You two will have to pass by the open door. I know, but I was sent by someone to do this. Oh, I need a 40, and I got a 67. You have free will. You can say no. And you take three points from a stray bullet that clips your shoulder. I still have seven, nerd. (laughs) Martinez uh, sprints towards Dan, and he's clipped in the shoulder and sent sprawling. He did a spiral, though, a pirouette. Beautiful. 8.4. Uh, come drag us out of the doorway. I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I'm going to go in through the parlor. My gun aimed into the dining room. I'm going to shoot the first person I see with a gun. I don't care who it is. We have guns. <laughs> it's Martinez. No. <laughs> so what is your dexterity, sir? 60. The one person who is the best at combat is currently out of combat. I have a nice dexterity. So uh, he has a 75. So he's going to try to shoot you, and you can choose to either dodge, fight back, or perform a maneuver. All right, I'm going to um, I'm gonna fight back with my firearm. And it is Kevin Cho, you can see now easily. Okay. God damn it, Kevin. He's got two attacks per round. He's going to shoot first, and let's see what he rolls. Oh, shit. Oh, he yes. bumbled. <laughs> That's not good. He, he needed a 40, 45 or below, and he rolled a 97, which is a fumble. So what that's going to mean is his his pistol jams up and basically malfunctions. Now it's your roll. Okay. I needed a 50. I got a 31 with my 9mm. Okay. Go ahead and roll some damage for me. Three damage. He obviously drops his uh, 9mm. You get on the ground now! Ooh, nice. Uh, roll, roll me an intimidate. I needed a 60. I got an 86. So he takes off running towards the uh, dining room. I'm going to pursue as you dodge into the parlor you notice that there are at least three bodies that have been shot to death one of them is a five-year-old boy and it looks like maybe his parents are close nearby you see a word written on the blackboard it's an unfamiliar word it says loigor it's l-l-o-i G-O-R. It's an alien word to you, but it's written large upon the blackboard. And you can hear Kevin Cho hot-footing it through the dining room towards the hell kitchen. Pull up my uh, 9mm and aim at him again and fire. You creep around and you draw a bead on his back. Yep. When suddenly there is a tremor in the house, which causes you to lose a little bit of footing. And through the dining room window from the west, a gigantic shadowy serpent scaly arm reaches through and grabs Kevin Cho and wrenches him back outside, screaming. I stumble back in shock, gather up my my thoughts and figure out what the hell just happened, head back and check on Dan and Martinez. Martinez is now up on his knees. He has one arm held up to staunch the bleeding in his shoulder. Uh, He's pressing his fist into it. Dan does not look very good. He's, He's very ashen and gray. And bleeding from his gut. Martinez, are you okay to get outside and get, get an ambulance? I could probably do that. Go get an ambulance. I'm going to keep pressure on, on, on Danny's wound. I'm going to put on my surgical gloves and apply pressure to his to his stomach. And tickle him a bit. Tee-hee. Roll for tickle. I'll go outside and get an ambulance. He brings in the whole ambulance. So, Aaron, you stumble outside. The vision that you saw before you passed out while you were looking at Don Eller's 
in the kitchen sort of resounding in your head. You feel as if you're still in that nightmare. And you step out onto the front porch in the driving rain. And there is thunder and lightning crackling all around. One particular bolt strikes the ground far to the west. The crowd of people who are huddled just yards away in the driveway. Chief Weaver is there. You see Ted Weaver is there. You see Steve Ellis. You see all the cars, the the patrol cars. There's a couple ambulances who are, the paramedics are already attending to people who have obviously been shot. And you see almost to a one, everyone is looking to the west of the Angerstein house and up. I'll look also. You turn your head, rain spattering against your face, and you see a creature rising. It appears to be almost part of the Angerstein house. Its body is melded with the ancient wood and is coalescing into a shadowy serpentine creature rising up about half again as tall as the house. There is pelting rain shimmering off its reptilian hide, scales glistening green-black, illuminated blue with each crack of lightning from above. Worst of all, you see yellow eyes blazing with hatred and hunger as it stares down at the trough of human food now laid before it like an offering to an ancient god. It rears back, long spindly arms outstretched, and it tosses Kevin Cho into its maw, gnashing his body, and then it turns to you. Is there, like, a a car immediately where I am? No, there's not. The driveway is still yards away. You're on the front porch. There are people there looking, right? Everybody is stock still looking up at this thing. All right, well, I'll jump and wave my hands. People, you guys have to get out of here. It's not safe. If you get to your homes, get safe. If you're willing and able, go get help and come back and help us. But be, make sure you're safe first. Get out of here. Persuade. It sounds more like a persuade. I need a 50. I got a 57. I'll spend the luck. Reduce your luck by seven. You start yelling at the people, simultaneously drawing the attraction of not only the creature, but also of Jack and Dan. Dan's dead. It doesn't matter. I'm feeling better. I'm not dead yet. Really, I'm feeling better. Thanks to your quick thinking, Steve Ellis begins to herd some of the other folks away. Ted Weaver whips out a crucifix and starts approaching the creature. At the same time, Chief Weaver goes quickly to his squad car and pulls out a shotgun. Jack and Dan. I'm going to scoop up Danny and say, we got to get out of here. Jack notices immediately as he's helping Dan out, one arm draped around him. They walk out into the rain to stand next to Aaron Martinez. So you see this creature that is serpentine mostly and has a row of yellow eyes to either side of a gaping maw with a dripping tongue. I'm going to pull out my phone and record it. It has tendrils as well as gigantic clawed hands. Well, shit. There is blood dripping from either side of its mouth. And now that the three of you are on the front porch... It rears back, mouth folding back upon itself to reveal row upon row of gnashing teeth. It gives out a joyous roar, happy to be awake and made whole again. Chief Weaver steps forward with a shotgun and starts pumping away. Ted Weaver 
is yelling some sort of Bible verse at the creature and stepping forward with his crucifix outstretched. Boys, we got to get out of here. We're not going to be able to take this thing down. I think we got to try. But if we don't do it right here, right now, who the hell will? You know what, boys? I'm starting to think our friend Brad had the right idea. I think we should kill this. Kill it with fire. I, I have another idea. Let's kill it with fire. Look, this thing is clearly attached to the house. So, get rid of the house, get rid of the giant thing. That is a brilliant idea, Danny. Let's do this. Let's burn this bitch. It's just like that movie Monster House. Oh, so it's, it's a, a girl house. house. As you are formulating this idea on the front porch of the rain, the creature stops rearing back and plucks Ted Weaver and Chief Weaver from the ground. The shotgun and crucifix go skittering away, and it pushes both of them screaming into its mouth. Beautiful. And clamps down. Good. And you can hear a squelch. Blood squirts out from the opening, and the crackling of bones before the weavers are no more. Just then, sirens split the air as an ambulance careens to a stop just yards away from the house. As you watch in disbelief, a figure leaps from the driver's side door and winks at you. It is Roy Arroyo. Oh shit, Roy back in action. His skin is miraculously healed. No sign of scar tissue or burn marks from Bradley Kohler's Molotov surprise. Nice. Grinning, he strides confidently up toward the porch and begins chanting in a loud, booming voice. Klata, Vrata, <laughs> Loli Gore, Eater of Souls, be gone from this plane. La, la, Mulkafnaf, Finulga, la, la, be gone, hoop, fa. <laughs> As the last syllables are spoken, the rain stops suddenly. There is a moment of pensive silence, then the Loigor screams in rage. A black swirling cyclone of shadow takes shape near its misshapen feet and quickly encircles the beast, pulling it downward into an unknowable portal to nowhere. Frantically, it claws at the ground, pulling soil and timber and dead bodies down with it. You and the remaining survivors move further away from the flurry of activity lest this otherworldly evil drags you into its orbit too. Only Roy remains steadfast, watching his handiwork. It takes only seconds before, with a final ululating wail, the serpent is swallowed whole. Most of the house goes with it, but just when it seems the cyclone will surely grow wider to include the entire property, there is an audible pop and your eardrums equalize from displaced pressure. Roy stands like a sentry with his back turned to you. I'm going to just start slow clapping. I'm going to join. Roy turns around slowly, as if just coming out of a dream. His face is black with soot. For a moment, he doesn't seem to know where he is. Then his gaze finds Dan, and he frowns. I got your voicemail, Danny. Roy says in Samantha Vlaine's voice. Not cool. We need to talk, you and I. Thunder crackles overhead, and it begins raining again. Only this time, it's raining frogs. Holy piss in a bucket. Woo! That was great. That is uh, way better than I thought that the next interaction with Roy was going to be. I expected to be in a hospital. Roy, Roy! I just wanted Woo! to blow up a house, and now I'm kind of sad I didn't get to blow up a house. 
Well, you got to blow up a well last time. Okay, fine. G- guess what I'm doing? Removing the crispy from the name on the character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the extra crispy, Arroyo. I think it's all the delusions of Chuck Blaine. None of this actually happened. It's all in his brain. This is all <sighs> inside a, a separate rift caused by Chuck traveling backwards in time. Split off the timeline into a new one where more weird things are prone to happen. Mm, I like it. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we good. do need to launch into some recommendos for this week. Yes. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's start off with Brian. My recommendo is family. I would like everybody that listens to this podcast to take a second to think about somebody that maybe they haven't talked to or told how much they care in their family and maybe give them a contact and and just let them know that you appreciate them and that you care for them. I got an awesome thing in the mail today from my brother, the one running this, and uh, I've been bragging about him all day. So thank you again. Gabe, how about you, buddy? Bad movies are my bread and butter, and The Room is just excellent. It needs no steroids like Matt and Brian seem to think, uh, steroids in the form of riff tracks. It's an excellent film by itself, and it deserved Oscars, though it did not receive them. So I obviously lined up opening night to see The Disaster Artist and was going into it skeptical because I had seen the commercials. The voice was not perfect. I'm not a giant fan of James slash Dave Franco. Oh my god, it was excellent though. So that's my recommendo. The Disaster Artist. If you watch this live at the two people that watch this live and that's being generous, you should go see it in theaters. And if you're not, just see it. It, it is so funny. Every scene is hilarious. The voice makes it. You, it's not perfect. It sounds like someone who's trying to do a Tommy Wiseau voice, but that almost makes it better because everything is so off. But it makes it so funny. Something no one expected is during the film screening, they do a thing where all of the audience members talk to each other about the film and they just say things like, how are those related? What's going on? It's so funny. It it is the best movie I've seen in theaters all year and it is the best opening night film I've ever seen. All right. How about you, Matt? I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody to take a look at a game called The Turing Test. Turing Test is a very much a portal esque uh, first person puzzle game uh, set on Jupiter's moon Europa. You play a girl named Ava Turing, who is an engineer for the International Space Agency, and you are sent down to the moon to discover the reason behind the disappearance of the ground crew that was stationed there. And upon arrival, the station's AI, whose name is Tom, informs you that the crew has set up a series of puzzles that are only solvable by a human. But you don't know, you know, what happened to the crew. You don't know where they are, and you don't know why they set these puzzles up. And over the course of seven chapters, I believe it was, six or seven chapters, Uh, you kind of get this really neat unfolding story that involves elements of, you know, AI versus human, what makes you human, you know, it goes over the risks of space travel and should people, you know, should certain things be the way they are. It's not very long, which is totally fine with me. I love that it is totally possible to play this whole game through in one sitting. Uh, The puzzles are nice. There's a a good degree of difficulty, but not so much that you're going to want to, you know, throw your mouse and keyboard or controller at the wall. And as a really really cool story and aesthetic all right so uh my my, uh recommendo is actually on netflix the original series from germany called dark and dark is has been compared to stranger things but it i find that it is more akin to the series lost it uses a lot of the same rhythm and tempo of 
of the episodes. Uh, it also uses a lot of the same audio cues. You can almost hear in your head, uh, occasionally you'll hear the character will utter some cliffhanger uh, message, and then suddenly you'll hear, <laughs> yep. you know. So it is, it's, it's just kind of like Lost. It doesn't go quite where I had hoped or expected it to go, whereas Stranger Things is a little bit more supernatural. This is a little bit more sci-fi. In recent memory, it has one of the best final lines to a series ever. Highly recommend the German series Dark. I highly suggest watching it in the true German with the English subtitles. It actually gives you more information. Well, guys, that's going to be it for this episode and this scenario of the Lovecraft tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anyone wants to join in the Dan's Not Dead party, hit me up on Twitter at The Real Weird Kid. And if anyone wants to join in the Roy Ain't Crispy party, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. And you can find me at Brian Podcasts. All right, well, until next time, roll for sanity, please. The Lovecraft Tapes is copyright 2017. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. <laughs>